Okay, got it. Ready? <clears throat> You're listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore. <laughs> Shh. Tonight is going to be a weird night for a couple of reasons. I have been wrestling. I have been struggling. This has probably been one of the harder series that I've had to teach in all the kind of series that I run through. And I've been trying to figure out why. Why in the world is this series kicking my butt? I have been... I'm trying to figure out is it just a season that I'm in. Um, Again, I shared kind of the first week. This has been not just theoretical knowledge for me. I've been learning how to change some of the belief systems even within myself. Um, And so, again, I don't have all the answers. And as I'm wrestling with how to kind of move through this, I have found myself over and over and over again looking for a recipe. It's that self-help book with the the three easy steps and the... um, celebrity endorsements, and then if you can just get that, this actually changes your life. Because everyone has a book like that. I read this book. It was amazing. It opened my eyes. I I wish, you know, I want that to be this, and I'm finding out it's not that easy. And I'm going, well, actually some of the self-talk going on in my head is, Paul, you just haven't found it yet. You're just not smart enough. You're not good enough. You haven't studied enough. You haven't done enough work. And so I got, again, all of these things and all the filters going on and all the messages and all the generalization and sound familiar, all that stuff going on. And, and I'm trying to, and I'm trying to figure out, you should see the whiteboard in my, in my office. I got a big whiteboard. I've got, I got all sorts of stuff scribbled and drawn and charted out and arrows going all over to it, trying to come up with a little graph that I could just put into a PowerPoint or draw up here for you and go, again, this is what you do first, and this is what you do second, and this is what you do third, and then voila, you actually feel different. And then today I found out, I think, those are really sparkly gold shoes. I like those. Um, sorry, a little distracted. Um, I found out, I think, what has been missing. And so I quickly, this afternoon, revamped everything that I was going to talk about tonight. I threw out half of the stuff, and we're going to try something a little crazy. So again, it might be a little wonky tonight. I, I can't make any promises. So please look on me with gracious eyes. Um, be open and receptive to new things that are a little different. Um, here's what I have. Here's what I have learned. Our stories are complex. Your story, or your story, or your story, or your story, or your story. They don't intersect perfectly and parallelly in parallel. They just don't do it. And so I can't say this is going to work for you and this is going to work for you and this is going to work for you and this is going to work for you. And yet when you're brought in as a teacher, guess what people like? (laughs) Again, three-point outline, do these steps, and and it should work. 
Instead, I'd like to look at story tonight because I believe that our stories shape us and therefore new stories can transform us. Would you agree? Would you disagree? I don't know a whole lot of people, at least it's not true in my life. You don't usually go out and get real excited and say, guess what, I've got this fantastic three, four, six point outline that I just want to tell you about. It's such a good outline. Man, and the bullet points underneath this, those were the best. Okay, these are just fantastic. What do we tell? What do we go tell people about? I heard a story. I heard an experience. Um, this thing happened to me. Um, people like podcasts, NPR, what are the story podcasts on there? This American Life. What else? The Moth. There you go. Good stories on there, huh? Radiolab fans? Any Radiolab fans in the audience? Good grief. That's just addictive right there. It's, it's like ear candy. It's just so good. We love story. And I think, I think that's been my frustration because I've been trying to formulize story, and it just doesn't work. And here's kind of what happened. Again, for many of you, you know that I actually really enjoy animation movies, okay? It doesn't help that I have four kids, and that's about all I've watched for the last 18 years is just <laughs> cartoons. Um, but it isn't a burden for me. I actually enjoy it. Um, me and a couple of my kids yesterday went and saw the new Pixar movie. What's it called? Anyone know what it is? Planes, right? Has anyone seen Planes so far? Two people. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Um, anyone planning to go see planes? Okay. Can I give you, again, if you don't have kids or you don't, you're not a Pixar fan. I also went and saw Monsters University today. Okay. Anyone seen Monsters U? Okay. Five. Okay. This is going to be a long night. Um, <laughs> Monsters University, brilliantly done. It was as good as the original, and it's hard to do sequels as good as the original, okay? But it was well done. Very good character development. Planes, excellent animation, good, good fun, but it didn't have that certain something, something that makes it superb. Um, for those who are going to see it, you might want to close your ears or spoiler alert or if you don't want someone's opinion here. Um, the main character in Planes, the, I don't even know what his name was, that's how memorable he was. Dusty, thank you very much. Um, Dusty, throughout the entire movie, didn't change. He didn't really have any personal significant thing that he worked through in the storyline of the movie. Whereas when you think of lots of other characters, especially in Pixar characters, they are usually coming up against some significant thing that is being challenged in their life. And the whole story is how they resolve that. That's, that is the recipe for a really, really good movie. And so what I thought we would do tonight is you have a handout here why you get stuck. That is actually all of the answers you guys gave last week. I brought, broke them down into seven major categories. So find your thing in there, the thing you might have suggested or the thing that might be difficult for you. And what we're gonna do is instead of theoretically analyzing this and coming up with a 
uh, recipe or an outline or something. Instead, we're going to put it into other people's stories. Would that be all right? What we're going to do is we're going to look at several characters from, um, hopefully most of you will know these people, and we're going to answer a couple questions as we go through this. First off, oh, story, see? First off, we're going to answer the question, maybe, who were they? How did they see themselves? At the beginning of the story, who were they and how did they see themselves? And what reason did they use that's on this sheet, okay? What was their belief system that they were struggling or wrestling with? So we pick a character, we might be able to say they didn't think they were smart enough or they didn't think they were brave enough, or they, okay? What are the excuses on this sheet? So we're gonna look at how they were beforehand, what reason did they use, because I'm thinking these, these things that we wrote down are fairly universal. Who did they become? How do they see themselves differently at the end of the story after they have resolved or changed or grown or progressed or all those kinds of things? What did they look like then? And then finally, what prompted the change? How did they get there? Does that make sense? Everyone clear on what we're doing? It's going to be an interaction night tonight. So, you ready for the first person? I don't even remember who's on the list here. Let's see. Oh, yeah. First person. Who's that? Keanu Reeves is the actor. What character is that? Neo. What's his original name? Mr. Anderson. Right? Tom Anderson. So, back to those questions. How did he view himself early in the movie? Did he view himself like everyone else? Or maybe less than everyone else. Maybe less than everyone else? What do you think? Has anyone not seen The Matrix? Okay. More homework. It's a classic. He was a rebel. Okay, sure enough. Again, if we're going to, according to self-perception, self-esteem, uh, how did he view himself? Outside everyone else? Sure. Huh? Hacker who was, he thought he was smarter than everyone else. Yeah. Um, do you think he felt stuck in his job? Do you think he felt stuck in his life? And that's why he was doing the hacking. That's why he was doing all the other crazy stuff. All right? What would be one of the things on the list? What would be one of the belief systems that he probably adhered to? Just shout it out when you got it. He was in. He's stuck in his life. Okay. Kind of frozen. Okay. Anyone else got something else you want to try? Easier to tolerate something he didn't like than. Yeah. I would agree with that one. Anyone else have a different shot at it? You got to see. You got to shout tonight. Can't convince anyone. Oh, man, that wouldn't be a good one for Neo, wouldn't it? For Tom. 
Who does he become? Indecision. Okay, indecision. Yeah, absolutely. As we read through these, if your thing, if the thing that you wrote up on the board or the, this is your weakness or your struggle or the thing that keeps you stuck, this is the character to pay attention to. Okay? Because there is going to be some, there is, I think, some recipes that we can draw out of all of these. We'll tag those at the end. Um, some generalities that I think apply to everyone, irregardless of your story. But who does he become? That guy. How cool is that? Right? How does he view himself now? Those are bullets racing towards him, and he's stopping them. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. Awesome. I know Kung Fu. How does he view himself? Other people might object or disapprove of me. <laughs> Not off of the list, okay, because that's how he was beforehand. He's had to change. How does he view himself just in general? Yeah. Kind of as a godlike character. All right. Godlike character. That's the goal, by the way. All of you to be godlike characters at the end of this series. Yeah, all right. Part of me is joking and part of me isn't actually. Because if we see ourselves in the way that God sees us, how that lines up a little bit more. Little caveat there. How else does he see himself? He believes in himself so much so that he doesn't, everyone else books it, everyone else runs away and he just stands there. Stop. I can take on the bullets. Right? Then they come at him, huh, upgrades. Yeah, I would stand right behind him too. Right behind him too. Not next to him, behind him. Anyone else? This is a good story. This sold millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff. What else does he think about himself? Self-awareness? Tell more. He's more confident in who he is and why he's living. We could just watch this, these three movies for an entire eight weeks and take them apart on the lessons about how to approach life. Because again, the whole red pill, blue pill, open your eyes to reality. You can see things differently. It is, there's so many correlations. He knows what reality is. He understands it completely and thoroughly, doesn't he? And he says, because I know what reality is, I, I can operate so very, very differently. Okay? How did he get there? What did it take for him to get there? He had to unplug. Brilliant way of putting it. I like it. Had to unplug from, again, wow, there's some great metaphors. Thing that was literally plugged into his head, feeding him a lie. His map was really screwed up, wasn't it? And now... He lives according to an accurate map, a mind map. That's, that's a good one right there. Anything else about Neo stands out to you, about who he is? All right. Next one, some classics. Who's that? Charlton Heston as Ben-Hur. 
what was Charlton Heston? What was Ben-Hur at the beginning of the epic series? I'm gonna, I'll ask this on every one. How many have never seen Ben-Hur? All right. Ben-Hur. A couple famous scenes in there. What was he, for those who have seen it, what was he at the beginning of the story? Slave. Slave, exactly. And treated as such. So then how do you think he viewed himself? What was something off the script, off the page there, that you think he was telling himself? There you go. I'll get in trouble if I do it my way. Literally, they will kill you. They will behead you. They will smash your hands. It's not worth anything. It's not worth anything. Yes. Woo, that's a great one. I am literally chained to where I am at, and I can't, I can't do anything about it. Don't have the physical resources. Yeah. He has lack of faith. Lack of faith? Well, Yes. There is a spiritual message in Ben-Hur, isn't there? And who did he become? That's the scene, by the way. That's... If you don't watch the movie, just watch The Chariot Race. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Okay? But it makes a lot more sense in the context of the whole movie. Who does he become? A great chariot racer. Yep. From slave to chariot racer. The Mario Andretti of the Roman Empire. That's right. What does he become? Again, attitude. What does it take to do that? Confidence. Confidence. It does probably take some confidence to do that. Courage. Courage. He was a Tell me about risk taking. Yeah. That's, that's how you're successful chariot racers, by knocking out other opponents. And... Yep. The guy with the wheels with the spikes on the outside that would come and chew up the spokes of the other guys. Yep. How did he view himself near the end of the movie? Do you guys remember? For those who have seen it? Might be too old. He has this unbelievably quiet, strong confidence. He is no longer a slave, yet he has not forgotten where he has come from. He now knows, I am free, and I am capable of having a destiny and direction over my own life, but I will not forget how I got here and what it cost me. What's this movie called? Ben-Hur. How did he get there? What was a couple of things that it took to get him from, from the bottom of a boat to racing horses? He saved his, uh, saved his captain's life. That's right. Did he have to? No. no. It was a choice. All right. Let's try someone else. Who's that? <laughs> Frodo Baggins. How did Frodo view himself at the beginning of the... Okay. I'll ask a question. Who hasn't seen the trilogy? Excellent. Really? Okay. Homework for you. <laughs> How did Frodo view himself at the beginning of the series? Lack self-confidence. What else? Small and unimportant. What else? No physical resources. Yep. 
I'm afraid, but I don't know of what. Something is amiss here. I just can't put my finger on it. Yep, what else? Out of control. Out of control? Out of control. Absolutely. I love that scene where him and Sam Wise are walking and Sam stops and Frodo turns around. If I take one more step, this is the farthest I've ever been from the Shire, right? And off he goes. Spoiler alert, sorry. Um, Other people might disapprove all the other baggins, right? All the other hobbitses. Who does he become? Right? Interesting character, though, because I'm not so sure he gains some strength, but he still has that peace about him. He actually had some really good stuff to start off with, but through his journey, well, what changed him? The ring, absolutely. Yeah. The journey. What else? He accepted his destiny. He looked at it as something that he had to accomplish. He was called to do. Wow. There's a whole other concept. Say it again. He had support from his Support from his friends. I may not be able to carry it for you, Mr. Baggins, but I can carry you. <laughs> Samwise. Brilliant character. <laughs> you can't come with me, Mr. You can't come with me, Sam. I know, I know. That's why I'm coming with you into the water. <laughs> Drowning. Good scenes. Anyone seen the extras on that movie? What happened to the actor in that scene? Anyone know? Piece of glass is sticking up in the river and he stepped on it and paled his foot all the way through. Add some new meaning to that scene when you watch it next, won't it? Perilous journey took him to where he was and then he saw himself again. How do you view himself? Let's stick with that again, self-concept. That's what this class is about. How did he view himself? Anything else stand out for you? Self-sacrificing. Self-sacrificing. It's not about just me in this world. It's about other things. Yes. Anyone else? He's strong and he can overcome things. He is strong and overcome things, yep. Probably not a whole lot phased him after that. This is a great character because from his very serene, comfortable, predictable life in the Shire, and again, that's what we, he doesn't want to give up. None of us want to give up. It's predictable. I know what it is, and yet he is thrust into this adventure, not by his own choice, and now he has to be completely open to a world outside of his, and he comes back changed. I don't think we'll ever look at the Shire the same. All right, Mr. Baggins. Who else do we got here? Oh, there's a good guy. Who's that? Okay. Ah, I hate to ask this. Anyone not seen this? Do we have a full... We got a complete... Yes, okay. So everyone's seen this one. Excellent. This is Star Wars. Tell me about whiny Luke Skywalker at the beginning of the movie. Uncle Owen, Uncle Owen... Aunt Peru. How did he view himself at the beginning of the movie? Trapped. Trapped? Yes. He's a big dreamer. 
Yeah. He's a hard worker, sure. What do you mean you can't can't convince him? Okay. Lacks resources. Yes, he does. Stuck on a barren moon of what is it? Tatooine. Is that where he's from? Yeah. Tatooine. Who does he become? That's exactly who he becomes. <laughs> You're not my father. That's the guy. Near the end of the movies, how does he view himself? Himself. How does he view himself? Part of the force. Ooh, part of the force. That's yeah. pretty good. Again, he's part of a bigger thing, isn't he? How else does he view himself? How does he come, he comes to terms with being Darth Vader's son. How? By pursuing him. By pursuing him. Attempting to kill him, he becomes <laughs> reconciled with him. It's a different conflict resolution technique, but you know, it might work. If you have lightsabers. He believes he has a purpose. He has a purpose. Yep. Again, these are things that he does. Do you remember how he carries himself near the end of the, in the third movie, third movie of the original series? So that'd technically be the sixth movie in the saga. How is he? Confident how? What does it look like? Do you remember? How does he carry himself? Give me some examples. Anyone remember? Isn't that great? Isn't that fantastic? I mean, he's standing there, and it looks like he has no resources, nothing else available, and he's still making threats to Jabba the Hutt. You, you have a chance to get away here. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have one more chance here. He's incredibly calm. He knows his stuff, and he knows himself, and he knows his little robot friends, you know, R2-D2, right? Trust and faith and community, all those other good things. He's very compassionate, sure. Yeah, I would agree. How did he get there? What did it take for him to get there? Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Next summer, Ben's going to hire Yoda. That's how it's going to work out. Ooh. Do, do or do not. There is no try. Um, I'm not sure I would phrase it that way, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, we do have an outside council who's teaching us and training us and reshaping us. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. I would definitely agree. What else did it take for him to get there? Conquer his demons. What did it cost him? His hand, right? Other people might have died too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. His friendship with Han Solo. Yep. Yeah, I'd give you that one. Friendship with Han Solo kind of got cost. Anything else that cost him? 
aunt and uncle? Dad. His dad? Lots of stuff. All right, let's do this guy. Who's that? Jimmy Stewart. That's the actor, and the character is? George Bailey. But old savings and loan. What movie? It's a Wonderful Life. Anyone not seeing this? Oh, okay. Man. Absolutely required. Absolutely required. How did he view himself beginning of the movie? Stuck. Big time stuck. Monster stuck. Yep. What else? These, huh? Lacking resources. Again, these themes you listed off last night, this is what makes good movies. Your lives could be awesome movies. You ever consider that? Just find someone to, you know, cast George Clooney as me, and then my, my movie will be awesome. We look alike. Um, George Bailey, what else did he think about himself? Can't convince anyone. Yeah. Whew. He did think the world is better off without him after this scene right here, huh? After this one, and he's at his, the end of his rope. And then what does he become? Someone say the line. Uh, close. There's a, there's a classic line from this right here. The little tree rings, the little bell rings, and... Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. That's right. That's what Zazu there, his little girl, is, um, says to him. How does he view himself now? Is it Zuzu or Zazu? I think it's Zuzu, sorry. Zazu. That sounds like something from The Lion King, doesn't it? Zuzu. How does he view himself now? We know all the things that go around with him, but how does he view himself? He's loved. He is loved. And it soaks in, doesn't it? Yes, it does. He does matter. Yes. Anything else? The past can be overcome. Yes, absolutely. Huh? What? He's thankful for his family. Appreciates it in a different way. People notice me. People notice me. You're the richest man in town. George Bailey. What did it take for him to get there? Coming back from the dead. Literally. Man, getting carried away here. Throwing my remote at myself. Coming back from the dead, literally. What else? Being at the end of his rope, emotionally, nowhere else to turn, where he's actually considering suicide? That's pretty dark. That's a very, very deep place. And again, I could probably make a, an intelligent guess that says some of you have been to that place and back. Some of you actually might have built a summer home there because it's just such a common place for you to go visit over and over again. Deep theme. One more. He got a new 
isn't that fantastic? He got such a good mental map. It was complete. The other one was just wrinkled up and burned. And now he has an entirely new perspective on life. Absolutely. Now, this next one. Uh, this next one is evocative for me. Who's that? That's the character, that's the actor, Whoopi Goldberg. In what role? Someone say it loud. The color purple. Character's name is, does anyone remember? Seely? Color purple. Anyone not seen that? Okay, that's what I was afraid of. We should stop the entire night right now and just watch this movie. I won't watch it with you because I will bawl like a baby. It is, it is too moving. It is too profound. It is too significant. Um, unbelievable movie. Since a lot of you haven't seen it, we might not be able to talk as much about this. Um, for those who have seen it, how did she view herself? Worth nothing. Worth nothing probably less than nothing. Both in the time era that it was set, the fact that she's a woman, and the fact that she's black. That, you know, that's just social pressure right there. But then she, her mind map became, she actually believed that. I am worth nothing. Anyone else that's seen the movie? How else do you think she's seen herself? Okay. Again, please watch this movie. It's easier to tolerate something I don't like. Yes. It is easier to tolerate stuff I don't like than to try to even do anything about it. She becomes, oh man, I'm tempted not to show you this next one because I actually want you to see this movie. I'm going to do that. Sorry. We're not going to finish Seely here. Blank. Good. All right, we're going to go to another one here. See what happens here? Yes, all right. I'm going to leave you hanging with that one just because I truly don't want to do any spoiler alerts on that one. Please, literally, literally, please go see it. Okay? Rent it, buy it, get together with friends, make some popcorn, go see it. Yeah, yeah, read the book? Weird. Who does that? <laughs> um, I'm choosing some Pixar characters. We'll go through them quickly because, again, I like how they think. I think they're some of the, most, the best storytellers on the planet right now. The, um, the little short movie beginning before Monsters U was a story. It's called The Blue Umbrella. Do you see that? A story about an umbrella. It makes me want to go out and buy an umbrella. It's so good. Wally? Anyone, who's seen Wally? Profound movie because the main character doesn't talk. It's a box. And yet you are rooting for this little box with wheels. Brilliant. These guys do it the best. Who's that? Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. That's right. How did he view yeah. himself early on? Overconfident. Yeah. What else? Huh? He's the bomb, yeah. We might have a little, um, 
narcissism going on here. We might have a little bit of grandiosity. We might have a couple of you know, things going on there. But yeah, he's the stuff. But he can't convince anyone of it. Yep. Yep. And then he becomes what? Actually, I don't have a before and after picture of him. It's just him on this one. I got two of them from this movie. He becomes what? It's another good movie you should see. He gets arrested. This is the how. He gets arrested, and what is he forced to do? Community service is what? What does he have to do for community service? Repave the road, which is pulling this big, huge paving machine with tar and asphalt and everything, and it blops all over him, and he gets nasty, and he's, and he's, and he's exhausted, and they only put a little bit of gas in his gas tank, so when he tries to bolt out of there, remember that? They unhook him, and he's gone. <laughs> he says he's only going to get about a three miles, because that's about all the gas he has in his car. <laughs> we'll go pick him up. It's, it's well-written. Again, brilliantly written. Yes? Which one is this car? The first one. Uno. Uno. Okay. And then he becomes what? Humble. Humble. How does he view himself? That's an excellent way of describing it. Say that again. As good as he really is, not as good as he thinks he is. As good as he really is, not as good as he thinks he is. An accurate self-perception. Very good. The other character in this is who? Who's that? Anyone remember his name? Doc Hudson. There you go. You can tell all the parents in the room. Um, how does Doc view himself at the beginning of the movie? Again, I know many of you probably haven't seen this. But Doc, he's an old car. He's, he's washed out. He, yep, lacking self-confidence. He used to be a great racer. And then what happened to him? Um, no, that's not what happened to him. He got smashed up. Remember? Massive accident, really beaten up, disappears from the race scene. Just completely gone. Cars is actually more of a story of the redemption of him than it is of Lightning McQueen and some of this stuff. How does he view himself after the encounter with Mr. Racing Car Lightning McQueen here? How does Doc view himself afterwards? Huh? Needed? Needed? Absolutely. He's needed. Yes. What? Valuable. Valuable. Yes. Anyone else? Don't underestimate the power of cartoons. They're brilliant. He is the um, Jungian archetype of the wise sage. He has the wisdom he is the older person speaking wisdom into the younger person's life. If you want to put in some Jungian stuff. Um, one of my favorite characters. Who's that? Bob Parr. Bob Parr. How does he view himself at the beginning of the movie? Stuck. Very good. What else? I'll get in trouble if I do it my way. Which proves to be actually pretty true, because what does he do to his boss? <laughs> I don't, I'll, I'll spoil this one because I know it so well. It's just, yeah, takes his boss by the throat and throws him through some walls. It's hilarious. Um, 
What else does he view himself as? Underappreciated. Under Absolutely. Anyone else? Anything on the list? What's the things he's telling himself? Can't convince anyone. Yep. Old Bob Parr. In fact, most of the movie is about him trying to validate his own superhero masculinity. It's a whole movie about, about the male psyche. It's, it's fantastically done. Who does he become? I chose that pose specifically for this class. Okay. Mr. Incredible. That's Mr. Incredible. How does he view himself at the end of the movie? He's Mr. Incredible the entire movie, but how does he view himself differently at the end of the movie? He's worthy for his skills even if the world doesn't accept yeah. completely yet. I agree. Anyone else? How does he change? How does his heart change? How does his view change? Part of a team doesn't have to do it on his own. Team, doesn't have to do it on his, own. his family. I love that pose where all of a sudden the bad guys come and everyone's like, strike a pose. It's awesome. It's a good, good picture. What else? Oh, really? Part of a team. Um, how does he get there? What does it take for him to get there? Say it again. He almost loses his family. Is it okay if I admit to you that part of this movie actually chokes me up at times? This is the one line in there. Niner, Niner, Two Delta. Yeah. You know, kid, there are kids on board, and then it, oh. She has that inflection just right, Mrs. Parr, and it just gets me. It's like, oh, and he's listening. He's listening to it. He has to lose his family, or so he thinks, for him to have a tremendous paradigm shift in his life. Who's that? <laughs> Mr. Fredrickson. You just feel bad. I mean, did you hear yourselves when the picture came up? Aww. You just feel bad for the guy. How did he view himself at the beginning? At the beginning of the real movie, not the beginning of the end. Who has not seen Up? You've really got to get out. You, you don't see any movies, okay? Really. <laughs> oh, man. The beginning of Up, there's this about seven-minute montage of his life right? Again, wordless. It's beautiful, beautiful story. And then you get to the real story. So let's start there, the real story part. How does he view himself in this picture here? Overwhelmed by emotions. That's a very good one. What else on the sheet do you think he is sitting in? Can't be sure. Well, that might be the scheme that the kid hatches up, for sure. But even before then, I think there might be some other stuff that he's wrestling with. In lack, of lack of determination. Yep. He's stuck. He's stuck. Just completely stuck. 
out of control. Tell me more about that, real quickly. He can't figure out how to keep his house or what he wants. How does he end up in that place? What happens at the, okay, in the beginning of the story, before the real story starts? How does he end up looking like this or feeling like this? His wife passes away. It's a beautiful love story, and we all hate it at the beginning because it is real life. Talk about out of control. People dying is the ultimate form of being out of control because there's nothing you can do to stop it. You just can't. And so his feelings, his mind map, his even self-perception might be pretty accurate for the circumstances he has gone through, and yet he still has these, he can be stuck in that place, even though they're pretty legitimate, right? And then what does he end up like at the end of the movie? <laughs> That's him right there, right? Big difference from that to that. Whoever wrote this character right here, oh man, brilliant. Squirrel. <laughs> what is he, how does he view himself here, ladies and gentlemen? New life, literally, yes. Say that again. He risked love. What do you mean? Yep, yep, bonded, community, connection, yeah. There's more to life than his grief. We can get stuck in our own grief. It doesn't have to be over a loved one that we lose. You can lose lots of stuff that's important to you and you can get stuck in there. What else? How does he view himself here? Anything else that stands out to you? Yes, he went pursuing his real-life hero and found out he's a schmuck. He's just not a good guy at all, and so he becomes his own hero and starts pursuing his own adventure. That's a fantastic way of summing it up. I like that. He was, was letting go of the house, too. Thank you. Tell me more about that. Well, the house symbolized yep. his wife and his life and that sort of thing. And yep. He just kept protecting it, but when it was that little... And he, and he finally realized he had to give up that house Yeah, he had to cut it away. Cut it away. And you lose something that is familiar, comfortable, known. We don't like to cut that away at all. And yet it's what actually keeps us stuck, anchored, not able to move. And again, it has precious memories. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But when we hold on to it and we make it so important, we just doesn't let us get to where we need to be. Had to let go of the house. Re redoing his hero. Last one. Who's that? Oh. No, it's not Nemo. Look at the fins. Marlin. He doesn't have a gimpy fin. Okay? Nemo has a gimpy fin. Beginning of the movie. Tell me about Marlin. Petrified. Look under that emotional section on the list here. Okay? 
Yeah, afraid of everything. And then go to the top of the list as well. Remember when he's hanging on the tongue of the whale? That's a profound scene right there with him and Dory, right? Just let go. But I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and she says, what? Neither do I. Let go anyway. <laughs> Let's just be a little overt about the message of the movie. Yeah. What else does he feel at the beginning? Grief. Grief all. I, had, I forgot all about that, but that's absolutely true. It's a legitimate concern again. He's lost not just his wife, but all of his kids. And we're not talking one or two. Thousands of them. All of them are gone. Talk about a person who's overwhelmed in grief and has legitimate reason to be scared. Because guess what? Life bit him in the butt. And it actually didn't work out well for him. And so his mentality is, hold on to everything I got and don't ever let it go. That's, that's generalization. Bad things happened there. Bad things are going to happen now. So instead, who does he become? That's just too good of a picture. Now, he's not there yet. Okay, He's still growing in that process, but that's just too good of a picture to pass up because he can face sharks, right? Again, at the end of the movie, maybe not in this scene, but shark's name is? Bruce. Bruce. Hello, Bruce. Um, he sure looks friendly. Yeah, he yes. Is. Yes, he is. He's a nice guy. How does Marlon view the world at the end? Not so scary. What else? Yeah. I kind of wonder, do sharks actually have multiple layers of teeth in their mouth? Actually, they do. When the first one breaks off, the next one kind of files up like a, like a, a conveyor belt. They actually have that. Pretty fascinating how God's built them, huh? I'm not sure I want to see them in action, but that's how they work. I don't think they have eyes like that, though. Back to Marlon. How does Marlon view himself at the end of the movie? He's okay with taking risks. Not only is he okay with taking risks, but what? Not only is so is Nemo. Nemo's okay with risks, but there's a connector piece in the between there. Marlon's okay with it. Nemo's okay with it. But what about Marlon again? He lets go. He lets Nemo take risks. Every parent, we should just sit down since you guys are going to be here soon, okay, about letting those kids go. Can I tell a story? My daughter's learning to drive right now. Um, this, movie, <laughs> this movie takes on all sorts of new meaning about letting my children go, about doing things that are uncomfortable and dangerous and scary and all sorts of stuff. So she's doing great, she's doing fantastic, but every once in a while, I'm glad to be here. Um, <laughs> Okay, what else about Marlon real fast? Anything else that just stands out for him? Trust Dory, absolutely. What did it take for him to get there? Experience. What kind of experience? He had to have a lot of different experiences 
Yeah, absolutely. Face down sharks and sea turtles and and whales and seagulls. Mine. Mine. <laughs> mine, 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 mine. How about um, Let's take out a Pixar realm and let's put it into um, scripture at the moment if we can. It is a church, so we should probably do something with scripture. Don't you agree? Not me. That's not me. Okay? Paul the Apostle. What was, um, how did he view himself originally in, early in the stories for those who know his story? Self-righteous? Absolutely. In fact, what was his name? Saul. Okay, so let's talk about Saul. Talk about a massive transformation in his life. Changes his name. So Saul, what else about Saul? How did he view himself? A persecutor of any Christians. Yep, and he did that because he had passion. He, he was a zealot. He considered himself to be above everyone else. And then he ends up becoming Paul, right? How does Paul view himself according to Scripture? The least of the apostles, exactly. Humble. What else? Massive change. A servant. Passionate for God. Not himself anymore. Or his ideals. Yep. What did it take for him to get there? The presence of God, literally. Where did that happen? On the Damascus Road. What did it cost him? What was that experience like? What did that create in him, physically? Lost his sight for how long? Three days. Very good. Very good. Massive transformation. By the way, does anyone know what the name Paul means? Means little. Anyone know what the name Saul means? He takes his name seriously. Because I actually think um, our pastor that I, um, the church we attend, his name is George. And he was sharing this weekend that um, he doesn't do plumbing, he doesn't do electrical, he doesn't repair cars, he doesn't do any of that, but he loves, he loves to be out in the garden, he loves to um, do landscaping, he likes to do all that stuff. And the name George means tiller of the soil. Oh, no, that's cool. how, almost a little freaky how names can actually almost pass on meaning to people sometimes. There's a whole theory around that, but we're not going to get distracted by that. <laughs> Joseph, not in the New Testament, Joseph of the Old Testament. Joseph in the coat of many colors. That guy. How did he view himself early on? Can't convince anyone, no matter how much he tries. Really, I had a dream. Let me tell you about it. What else? How did he view himself? Anything off that paper that comes up? He was number 11 out of 12 brothers. We could talk about family constellation stuff and, you know, birth order, how that play. I think birth order ends after about four. <laughs> after that, it just starts to recycle. Um, anything else about Joseph early on? 
He was the favorite son, so what do you think that caused within him? Jealousy. Jealousy on the part of his brothers towards him. Guilt, maybe. Okay, that's a good theory. We, we don't have any scripture to prove it, but yeah, we can say so. Um, confusion. Shoo, yeah, his brothers really didn't like him, so much so that they tried to murder him. Yeah, maybe. How did it end up in the end? What, how did he view himself at the end? My, my favorite biblical character right there. He was an instrument of God. How come? Yep. He uses the phrase, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. He's able to, at the end of this entire process, and again, his story, how he got from beginning to end, thrown in a pit, accused of, of uh, indiscretions with uh, Potiphar's wife, thrown in prison again, uh, forgotten about, and then elevated up through the ranks till he's way, way up there and basically mostly in charge of Egypt. Profound changes there. Um, let's do a couple more here so we get time-wise. We're going to skip through Peter. Let's go to Rahab. You guys remember Rahab? Scarlet rope out the window. Walls of Jericho, that story. Twelve spies. She hid the two, two, two spies, actually, going in. She's a prostitute. How does she view herself? Don't think Rahab, think prostitute. How does a prostitute probably view herself? Worthless, worth nothing. Yeah. Only good for her abilities. Yep. Only good for what she can do, not for who she is. How does she end up at the end of the story? Alive. And? Huh? Belonging. She has an entirely new civilization and identity now because she's spared. And then what ends up happening with her lineage? Jesus. Yep. God incarnate comes from her line. What a profound... Yes? Is that a movie? This is not a movie. Okay. It should be. Yes, actually. I think it might do pretty good. We could talk about David, but we're not going to talk about David. We're going to skip him. Are you guys seeing how this works? Tell me what the common theme is out of all of these characters, whether it's a, a blockbuster movie or an animated film or characters in scripture. What is the required piece between the beginning and the end from the way they view themselves at the beginning to the way that they view themselves now? Change, what prompts the change? Experiences. Um, be more specific. Major shift. Challenges. Suffering. You said losses? Conflict. 
this is what I came on to today and part of yesterday. And this is the piece that I struggled with the most because in that recipe thing and the do-it-yourself self-help book thing, most of the time they don't ever talk about the struggle. They don't talk about the difficulty. They don't talk about the pain. And yet I can't come up with any story anywhere Anywhere. I, have, I literally have been racking my brain trying to come up with a story where someone makes a significant shift in their life from how they view themselves now to how they view themselves differently that did not have some story of struggle, conflict, pain, loss, difficulty. I don't know it. And as a teacher, as the guy up in front of you, I'm almost scared to tell you that. I don't really know why, because it's not really a huge insightful thing, but I find myself wanting to just try to sell you a bill of goods saying, here, we can make this easier. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. You're right, Nikki. Thank you. The reason I like Joseph so much, because in the reading and studying I've done, there isn't really any negative thing said about him. He was righteous pretty much in most of the stories that they've seen there, and yet he gets thrown in a hole and accused and put in jail and running for his life. Just because we do everything right is not a guarantee that it's going to be easy. Just because you do everything right. This process of change, of, of examining your filters, of challenging the, the belief systems, of wrestling with the ten cognitive distortions, of changing all of this. If you want to be different, I'll get to your question in just a minute, hold on. If you want to be different, I've got bad news. <laughs> it will hurt. It will be uncomfortable. To uh, a week and a half ago, well, almost two weeks now, 13 days ago, I'm counting, um, I made the intentional decision to stop eating sugar. One of the stupidest decisions of my life because I love sugar. I love it. I'm not eating any fruit. I'm not eating anything that turns into sugar. I am trying to reset my body for some health reasons, for some energy reasons, but also because in this series, if I'm talking to you guys saying, here's what you need to do to change your paradigms and change what you believe, there's some things that I wanted to wrestle with and change in my life as well. And so I've been paying attention to what is this process like? What, is it, what does it cost me? It's day 13, and this morning while I'm taking a shower, I'm fantasizing about muffins I could have for breakfast and pancakes with syrup, and it just it naturally comes in there, and it's uncomfortable and it's painful. Now, again, a couple sugar cravings compared to the struggles of Joseph or the struggles of Marlon or the struggles of all these other characters we look at are, 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 are insignificant, but they have some level of pain. You have to be willing to endure discomfort and 
struggle. I sat with a client this week, and where we were sitting um, was in a garden around a table, and a bee came flying around, and she became very uncomfortable and very distracted by this bee that was flying around because she just doesn't like bees because bees hurt if they sting you, right? And so she's very distracted by it. And we had a chance to say, I wonder what would happen if we let the bee just do his thing. And even if the bee stings you, number one, are you allergic? Okay, good, no anaphylactic shock. We don't have to worry about that. But if the bee stings you, are you willing to endure that little bit of discomfort? It's just a little bit of discomfort. It's not horrible. Are you willing to let the bee sting you in exchange for just being able to sit at peace and rest and be here in the midst of our session? What an idea. Isn't that strange? I'll choose to let a bee sting me. That's a strange thing. I give blood all the time. My wife will never give blood. I give blood all the time, and it hurts. It does hurt, but there's a good reason why, right? It's a good thing to do. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Here's what we got to do in the last couple minutes of our time together. We have looked at other people's story. We know that conflict and struggle and pain and hurting and suffering and all that stuff plays into it, right? I'd like you to be able to apply it to your lives, not just in a theoretical way, but in a practical way. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask Ben and a couple other people. We have some sticky notes here and some pencils. Go ahead and start passing those out. I'd like you to take three or four sticky notes, okay? Count one, two, three, take four. Take four, rip them off. You'll need at least three or four of these, okay? And just kind of... Um, Hang on to those for me. Pass them around. We got lots. If you need pencils or writing utensils, okay, we got those as well. Raise your hand if you need a writing utensil. We'll throw them at you and try to impale you. Everyone got some? Here's what I want you to do. On one of the sticky notes, I want you to take a minute and I want you to answer this question. I was... If you want, you can write that down. But again, it can be, how did you view yourself in the past? What are some of the things that, that you kind of found your identity in? So this is, I was. On the next one, you're going to write, I am. So what are you currently? How do you view yourself currently? So it can be, you know, I was an addict. I was homeless, I was emotionally tied up, I was abusive and hurtful, I was struggling and insecure. I mean, it could be a thousand, ten thousand different things. Take a minute. What do you think was your life prior? Who do you see yourself now? I am. Okay? And then finally, I will be is on the third one. Those are on three different sticky notes. Don't put your name on it unless you really want to, okay? Because we're going to do something with these sticky notes. There's a reason that they're on sticky notes. Take a few minutes. Find those. If you have any questions, shout them out. Let me know. I was, I am, I will be. 
If you were writing your story, if your story was a movie, how do you want it to end? What do you want your character to look like? It could be if you have not changed. So yeah, I was and I am could actually be the same if you don't think that you've made any changes. Yes. Again, this is about how you view yourself, your personal evaluation of yourself. Might be what you find identity in. It might be what you struggle with. Again, 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 there isn't one right or wrong approach to this. What's the thing that tends to just show up quickly? And then what I'm going to ask you to do On this wall right here goes, I was. I want you to come and I want you to put it right here. Just listen for a minute, because I know some of you right now are going, what did you just say? You're going to make this available for everyone to see. Okay? Again, you can choose to put your name on it. You can choose not to put your name on it. Doesn't matter. I was goes on this wall. I am goes on this wall and I will be goes on this one right here and what I want you to pay attention to is what are the feelings going on inside you right now as some of this might become seen or exposed. And again, this is going to be anonymous. No one's, if your name's not on it, people probably aren't going to do any handwriting traces and figure out who you are. But pay attention to the feelings that might be going on inside. See if any of those feelings are actually written down on that list that you have that's sitting in your lap right now. And did I mention that to change might make you a little uncomfortable? I'm not sure if I pointed that out or not. Sometimes I forget that part of the story. Are you willing to become a little uncomfortable? I don't mean to pull your hair here, sorry. Uh, are you willing to be a little uncomfortable and let the way that you view yourself be seen? This can be hard for some, I know. But when you're ready, feel free to stand up. And I was goes on the left, I am goes on the right, and I will be goes on the back wall. If this is hard for you, that is okay. You might not be ready to take this step yet. Again, no one's going to be looking down on you. We're not taking um, grades here. We're not going to be making any reports. We're not watching for that. If you're not ready to do this yet, it is okay as long as you can take some intentionality and see if you can figure out why, why this might be difficult for you. I want you to learn about yourself. I don't want these stories to be just stories of other people. These are your stories in some way. I don't know if this room gets used for other things during the week. It might, probably does, I'm assuming. Maybe these will be here. Maybe they can be wrapped up or something. We can put them back. I would encourage you to come up if we can get these hung back up or we can put them somewhere. I don't know. Ben will come up with that or Darcy has some pretty good ideas. Um, when you come in next week, take a few minutes and read. Just kind of look through. 
and I bet you'll find out that many of the things that are written on there are going to be common themes. You're going to see things that are not dissimilar from your own. And my hope is that that provides some comfort to let you know that you're not alone in this journey. It is my belief, personally, that more than just talking at you, it is the doing of stuff that actually changes. It is actually what promotes the biggest amount of growth and adjustment in people. I believe this so much that currently I have started a nonprofit organization. I am currently in the phase of filling out this monster huge pile of paperwork to get tax exempt status from the IRS. Talk about hard and difficult and painful things to change. IRS is one of those things. Once we get that submitted and approved, we are going to be building an indoor challenge course here in Portland. My hope is that for individuals who would like to change and grow but don't want to talk about it, they can come and experience things that are going to push you outside of your comfort zone. For those who don't know what a challenge course is, um, basically, if this was um, this step right here was the edge of a platform. I used to do it up in the forest, and the platforms were about 40 feet in the air, and we'd ask people to jump off of them into midair. They have harnesses, they have ropes, they have all those things, but I'll tell you what, you learn an awful lot about yourself standing on the edge of a platform. I had a, a participant up there, it took her about 10 minutes to climb up the tree, and once she got to the platform, she literally had her arms and nails embedded into the trunk of the tree because she wasn't really sure what she was doing up there. At that point, as a facilitator, I've got two things going on. Not only how do I help her learn, but how do I just get her down? Because if she's not letting go, how do I get her on the ground again? And through a process of very small changes, we encouraged her to hold onto the tree, but not as tight. Let go just a little bit. And pretty soon she was able to put her hands off and then grab on again, and a little longer, and then grab on again, until better than much she could lean on the tree but not have to hold on to it. And then she could stand next to the tree without holding on to it. And then she could take one step away until at the end of the whole process, took about half hour, 45 minutes, she was on the edge of the platform. You're connected by a leash into a cable around the tree. She could lean back off the platform. Anyone want to come? Should be fun. Because experience changes us so much, I want to make that a possibility. Again, this is a monster, giant, huge leap of faith. This scares the daylights out of me. I can hang off platforms all day long, putting my neck out on the line to try something, the financial resources and the organization and the belief here that if I do this, I can't guarantee it's going to be a success. If I can't do it perfectly, then I shouldn't do it at all. I don't have the physical resources. I'll be out of control. Pretty much all of these have been through my head at one point or another about all of this. And guess what? Let's do it anyway. Okay? So, again, we're on this journey together, ladies and gentlemen. My journey is different than yours. My challenges are different than yours. But they all 
We want to be different. So let's be different. Okay. Okay. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit paulelmore.com.